Hello and welcome to the Dungeon Masters Guildhouse. Uh, this is a weekly podcast where I, your host, Matthew Whitby, uh, sit down with people all across the DMs Guild space. And this week, I'm joined by Andrea Mafia. Thank you, so, <laughs> th- uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you me for th- thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, it's very, very nice to be here. I've heard many of the previous interviews, and now I'm happy to to be here on this side of yeah. the screen. I'm 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 very I'm, I'm always very flattered to hear that my guests have sometimes watched some of my stuff just because sometimes it feels like I'm just throwing them out there um, <laughs> and uh, yeah it, it gives it gives me the sort of warm fuzzy feeling um, in the same way that you know when on the DMs Guild when you watch your sales go up <laughs> it's it's, it's kind of like that um, but but no I I guess kind of the first question for you know, the people listening is a fact. What, what sort of products, you know, what, what, what have you been known for in the DMs Guild? Oh, well, I've done several products in the last almost two years. Uh, most of them are adventures. Uh, adventures is the, is the thing that I mostly like to, to write down and which I most enjoy to, yeah. to do. And maybe the projects for which I am more known are collaborative projects uh, that are uh, collected as uh, the Old World series. Uh, they are all collected in a bundle called uh, Tomes of the Old World, uh, but they are different books collecting monsters and uh, um, artifacts and now NPCs and soon also adventures that are inspired by European folklore, myths, fairy tales, and whatever comes from the European culture. Yeah, no, it, it, it is kind of like an amazing uh, series of books that it's kind of like, was it, it started from Monsters of the Old World. Yeah, yeah, um, that, that was the first one, yeah. And then, I guess, so I guess, was it, so m- one of my questions is, is, is why, why, why do you like adventures? What kind of drew you to like adventure writing compared to like, again, monsters or items or, you know, player options? Well, the thing is, uh, for me, uh, writing for DM Skilled is more like an hobby mm-hmm. than, than a job. I do have my full-time job, and then when I come home and I want to relax and spend some time thinking about anything else, uh, D&D is, uh, is a way for doing that. Uh, and of course, when I am with my friends, we, we play some game. I can be the DM, I can be a player, I, I have fun in both ways. Uh, but when I am alone, uh, thinking about you know, uh, a, a place where I would like to be, a situation where I would like to be, and start writing about that is a, is a way of escaping from the daily routine and, yeah. and doing something completely different. And when I think that this uh, imaginary trip <laughs> is, uh, is good enough, then I, I try to make it available for other people on the DM screen. Interesting. So is that is that very much your uh, your like creation process of you have an idea you kind of think over it for like a good amount of time until you hit that point of like I should I should turn this in I should write this up. Yeah, yeah, indeed. What I usually do is that I think about a, a specific place or environment. That that's usually where where the the idea starts from. So I have an adventure that is completely based on walking on a mountain because I, I went hiking during the week and then I was thinking, oh my God, this, this could be very, very nice. I have an adventure that is set in the desert because I was watching a movie on TV that was in a desert. And so I said, oh my God, how, how will it be to have an adventure in the desert? What, what could happen there? What could the, character, the characters face while crossing a desert or whatever else? So this is mainly the process and then while I start thinking about the the plot of the adventure then the other things come out and the nice thing of doing adventure is that you can invent one specific monster you can invent one specific spell or maybe uh, an artifact and a magic item that could fit that adventure and then you are there well what I'm not really into is the idea of okay now I have to fill a list of 100 magic items that could be very difficult for me in uh, as creating process yeah as a, as a designer oh sorry as an adventure creator you kind of have the flexibility to if you want to you can just use existing monsters or again you can be like i'm i'm feeling a little bit spicy i'm gonna i'm gonna design a monster today 
Um, and it's interesting that you mentioned how you, you start off with a location, because I think what's interesting about when it comes to adventure designing is you do have so many different approaches. There is obviously the starting from a location, starting from an event, a particular character. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, find, I, I really like hearing how you, you very much draw inspiration from like hiking <laughs> and just thinking, yeah, this, 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 this would be kind of, kind of interesting. The, the adventure that you based on the mountain, what was, what was the name of that one? Oh, well, uh, that is called uh, March into the Peak. Uh -huh. the, the one that is already published, but also the one adventure that I wrote for Tales of the Old World, mm -hmm. the upcoming uh, book of the Old World series. Uh, that one is also based on the Alpine landscape. Which uh, I, I, with, I suppose, is it, not, is it giving too much away to mention what sort of European like folklore or legend it's kind of based on? Or... Oh yeah, that, that's, that's not so easy because this time uh, we really have tried to go deeper in that folklore that maybe is not so well known mm -hmm. around the world. Uh, there are some adventures that are based on uh, famous tales. I mean, there is an adventure that is completely based on the uh, tale uh, Hansel and Gretel, the yep. German tale Hansel and Gretel. So it's very well known, but you know, we really try to go into the uh, most original version of the tales. And the one that I was mentioned, mentioning, the one that is set in the Alps, uh, is about a, a very old tale that is about this uh, King Laurino who was uh, a dwarf king okay. living in the Alps and was in love with this uh, wonderful uh, princess called Similde. And, but their love story was not a very good one. I mean, they get married, but she wasn't very happy about that. So she took the first opportunity to find another man and to run away. Wow. So most of the story is based on that. Uh, the, and the adventurers fi find themselves uh, b between the, the, these two characters so that they have to understand the, the relationship between the two of them. And that's also a nice story because it's that kind of stories that are used uh, to explain how, how something was created. And specifically, th this one is very based um, on uh, a particular chain of mountains that uh, you can hike in, in the Alps, in the Dolomite. And it, 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 this particular chain of mountain, when the sunset uh, becomes uh, quite pink. Yeah. So it, it is usually compared to roses. Uh, so all this meets is about the, the roses that Simil they used to, to have in their garden. It's always fascinating when you hear about the sort of like natural world occurrences that legends and folklore have kind of tried to give like reason for yeah. or and yeah no it's, it's amazing like that and I think what's kind of interesting taking like existing lore or again legends of like taking like even from D&D or the real world is you do have like so much control about how much you lean into the story or subverting it you know play, playing with expectations because like again uh, I imagine most people know the Hansel and Gretel story of you know two children going in and ending up in an oven or I think it depends because there's some versions where they get eaten there's some versions <laughs> where they escape um but you can really sort of play around with that format and just was it just by having like the the, the oven being a mimic I think would be <laughs> <laughs> like I, you need a little bit more than that but that's that, that's an adventure right there you can you can remember that one yeah, I mean, I mean, of course, stories have different versions, and, and, and that's not the problem. I mean, when, when we wrote about the Old War series, the idea was not we are going to tell you which is the, the right one. Uh, and it is important the story has, sorry, these kind of stories, those embedded in folklore have different versions, and those different versions comes out from the fact that these are stories that are told by grandparents to grandchildren so of, of course anytime each generation has the different twist the different idea that comes out there uh, this was our ways of telling the stories and when you are so uh, happy about playing dnd and dnd yeah. of course is almost a matter of telling stories yeah. at that point you think about wow this story is something that i i've heard so many times mm -hmm. why shouldn't i create my own version and tell that that version and that is the fun 
Yeah, and especially like I, I think it, the the act of writing up an adventure gives you a um, uh, it gives you yeah a lot of flexibility. And you as even the act of writing it out, you realize there are small things that you kind of have control over, and you can be like, well, no, it would be kind of interesting if if this happened, which is slightly you know slightly off from what may be expected, but it's yeah, it's it's, it's taking the story and adjusting it to the medium of D and D. Um, no, interesting. Um, so you mentioned as well that you, you've been writing on the DMs Code for roughly two years? Yeah, yeah. I think in January or February, it's going to be two years. Wow, yeah. Happy, happy, happy anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, as I mentioned, it is something that I started doing as a hobby. It is something that I mainly do with, with my boyfriend when we are here at home and sitting and chatting and we start discussing about D&D. We are both DMs, so sometimes we, we chat about our adventures and there while we are, we are talking about different ideas that we had, we, we start thinking, oh, this could be something fine to, to, to write about. This could become a subject for, for an adventure. And we do not publish tons of things because of that, uh, because it is not our main occupation. Uh, but the, the, the nice thing, I mean, th that is our intention, uh, is that it is something we had fun with. Yeah. So the idea is that the people that are going to read that, we hope that they are going to find in, inside those words uh, the, the same fun that we had when So, when... so then, is, is a lot of your ventures slightly more of a, a collaboration with you and your partner then? What do you mean? So uh, is it more like like uh, the adventures that you publish? Is it like, uh, do you handle all the writing or is it you just discuss a lot of the ideas with your partner and then you both do a little bit of writing? How, like, or is it? Okay, I see. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, let's say that uh, what we usually do is to discuss the ideas and then we, we write separately. So there are some adventures in which we have collaborated, but he was actually the writer, while there are some adventure adventures in which I am the, the, the writer. Yeah. Uh, but we collaborate also for several many, many things. So for instance, I'm more in doing some sketches and drawing, okay. uh, while he is very good in the, in the layout. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we usually take part to each of the, pro or the projects mm -hmm. together. No, it's 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 lovely. I was it. I've I've had the 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 joy of speaking to like a few sort of couples who are both into DMs Guild, and it's it's always lovely to hear like how they uh like how they sort of bounce off each other's strengths or you know bounce ideas off each other. Um, I my my next question was is okay. So two years ago, then what was what was the first thing that you published? Oh, the very first thing that I published was uh well the the, the English title. Is the Magic Academy? It, it, it's still there, but uh, the very first uh, adventure that I published was the Italian version mm -hmm. of that. So this is another interesting thing of the DM skill. I, I started to write down in, in Italian because when when I, I wrote notes for my party as a DM, of course, those are in Italian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it would it, it would be a little bit weird if you if you, like you're a tiny Italian party and you're just like I'm going to make my notes in English just to be on the safe side. You, you never attended to a, a session uh, of playing D and D in, in Italy because actually there are many English words coming out because many of the manuals are, are just in English. Oh, true. Oh, so yeah. you have this kind of mixed discourse in which we talk in Italian, but then when you when you mention a name of a spell, you mention it in English because you don't know which is yeah. the, the Italian translation for that. Fair. Huh. So, so we are used to put some English in, in our sessions. Uh, but now we are having more and more manuals in uh, in Italian, so things are becoming easier. But still, on the DMs Guild, the the public, the, the Italian audience is is really a small one. Mm -hmm. So I started thinking about, oh, if I want these adventures to be reachable to a larger audience, I need to translate them in English, and that's where the idea of collaborating with other people from other countries came out, and where the old world series came out actually it was something like oh are can i find people that are from europe as well and, and this is easier of course because of the time zone yeah <laughs> to <laughs> to talk about the the english of my adventure and there a group started to 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 be created no fantastic so so yeah you you were very much at the uh, the ground floor or you were there at the start for the you know the the old world series 
Uh, yeah, I was the person who created the Facebook group that is has been used to for for the whole project. I, I was not the coordinator of all the books. We we shared the responsibility. I was the coordinator of monsters. Uh, I think that we came out just like who wants to be the coordinator, and everybody was I imagine just, just staring at like, me like, like uh, <laughs> no, you 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 did the group now. <laughs> You have to do that. And it wasn't easy at all the first time because we still didn't know each other. So we needed to to start meeting and knowing and discussing the the, the things. And then we uh, take the the, the turns in uh, changing the roles. So I I was a a writer for the whole four books. Uh, I have been coordinator for Monsters. I'm now co-coordinating Tales together with uh, George Comis. Uh, who is uh, Greek but has a better English than me, and so we 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 shared the responsibility of of these books. And I also think this is a very nice thing about these books that, as you were mentioning before, when you collaborate, this idea of knowing the the strengths and of each of the people taking part uh, could help in having a a better work at the end of the day. Of course, you have to share royalties. <laughs> but, but that's not a problem for me. I mean, d- doing this as a hobby and not as my main job is a very good option for me. I think that that's what's fantastic about some of the large scale collaborations, um, especially when you're dealing with like eight to ten, eight, you know, more members, you know, contributing on, on one project. You get to see just a, a wide range of different sort of skill sets um, and I, I, that, that, that's, that's what, I, what I always love. And one of the most enjoyable thing um, that I don't, I, I, I'm curious if you feel the same about, um, but when you get to work with someone multiple times um, and, and you, again, that relationship builds to finally sort of understanding that, oh no, this, this person is fantastic at this. And I, you know, I, I kind of want them to sort of, you know, end up with this, that, that it, it, with each product that you kind of collaborate with someone, you can sort of see that, yeah, we've really hit our stride. Well, yeah, th- th- I think that's not just that. I mean, yeah, you are completely right. You, you can find that even when you think about uh, one side of the job, I mean, for instance, a- editing, uh, you, you know that there's someone that is very good in finding all the little numbers that are not going well there. You know, there is someone who is very, very good in uh, switching the text in a way that is better understandable and this is very important when you have a a group of people that are not native English speakers Uh, you you, when you go to the layout you know there is someone that is very good in find the right spot to put that image in and there are some people that are very good in changing the image to 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 fit you know Uh, so it's completely true but also you find that while you start um, knowing the people and understanding how, how they work, how their process of creating work, you also understand the, the, the timing that they need to work. Yeah. Uh, you understand how to deal with them. I mean, uh, there are people that are happy to have all the work all together and then organize their time. Mm-hmm. People that prefer to have a new task when they completed the previous one. Yeah. And when you start understanding this stuff, everything goes much more yeah. and I imagine especially as a, as a project coordinator yeah it's, it's things that you kind of you, you pick up and trying to balance uh I, I, get, I, I found that in the projects that I've led is sometimes I have made the assumption that that the way I work which is very much like I have a deadline in the future I will I will sit down and I will just sort of like there is the entire thing <laughs> rather than sort of you know uh, bit by bit um and again, so some people aren't, again, they, 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 they prefer to work, as, as you kind of said, like bit by bit. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's always interesting uh, when you bump into someone or, and you're just like, oh, fair. No, that, that makes sense. Like I, I, could, I could work like that. I've just been hardwired or I've just been, I've been, I've been working this way for so long that I don't know how to do anything else. <laughs> well, well, you know, it, 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 this, this also the fact that people have different sensibilities mm-hmm. so also it's a matter of avoiding conflict and sometimes conflict can arise it, yeah. it happened during our project that, that we had conflicts and we have, we had we had to to manage those conflicts 
also it's, it's a matter of uh, different expertise and different experience in terms of time doing things. Mm -hmm. So you have some very young authors, both in, in terms of age, <laughs> both in terms of uh, time spent in, uh, in doing this stuff. Uh, there are people that are uh, much more professional. I mean, that, that do, do this thing as the, their main job. Mm -hmm. So of course, maybe they are a bit more rigid because they've developed a, a routine of work on that. Yeah. So of course it's more difficult for them to, to adjust because they have much more work of that type to, to do during the, during the day. So, I mean, there, again, it's not a matter of uh, finding the, the best way to do things, no. but to, to find the best way to, to do things together. Yeah, <laughs> like to, to sort of accommodate and, and balance out, you know, to make sure that everyone kind of is, is, is covered. Um, I think you, you bring up an interesting point before about when it comes to layout people and, and particularly editors. Um, because I think, again, I feel like there are like many different subclasses of editors. <laughs> like like I, there are the editors who just, again, as you said, have that sort of mechanical crunch who can, can look at an adventure and be like, this is probably going to be a little bit clunky. Um, there's people who can look at the whole overarching story. They can see like the, the, how every event in the story takes place and they go, no, this, this doesn't flow quite right. Um, and then there's the, the, you know, the grammar um, wizards who just look at every, every comma out of place and they go, no, 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 that one, that one needs <laughs> to go. Um, and yeah, I, and I think it, it, it's fascinating when, when you find the editor that kind of clicks with, with, your writing. Um, I imagine with with um, hiring editors for you know the the um, what if we go with Monsters of the Old World then you know the one you were the um, you know coordinator for. Um, how many how many editors did you did, did you have for that? Oh, that's a good question. I think that we had something like three or four editors. Yeah. I, I don't remember because it was a bit ago. Yeah, no, I was gonna say that's the the first in the series and. Um, yeah, although Monsters, again, Monsters of the Old World was was something of like a it was a huge success, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and yeah, that 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 is a project that give really the 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 idea of what you were saying before about the different kind of editors that you need. In, in that case, we really had separated editors for the monster stats and for the lore, because really those are two uh, different things. Uh, while, for instance, now with Tales of the Old World, we had we have adventures, so we we have much more text. And in this case, for instance, we we had just one editor that is Simon Collins that I really wish to thank for the big work that he did, yeah. uh, along by by himself. Uh, but again, the the idea is maybe um, the tip that we can give to the people on the guild is that uh, you can. Uh, decide for a different editor according to the kind of product that, that you are using. And you can ask advice to people that have worked to similar project uh, about the editor that you could use, or you can just have a uh, uh, pick the, I don't know, Monsters of the Old World and go to the first page and look <laughs> who was the editor. <laughs> that, that, that's a, a, another yeah. possibility for doing that. It, 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 yeah, it's because otherwise, it, otherwise you have the, the maybe very strange situation where all your law sections have say, this probably needs a plus six. <laughs> the, uh, no, yeah, no, it, it's, it, it's, yeah, it's fascinating. And, and, and I think that's, that's, that's like, again, the, the ongoing catchphrase of hiring an editor um, for this podcast, it, it probably should have an asterisk where it's like hire a appropriate edit editor for your project. Um, and, and that kind of comes with the experience of, making more products to kind of realize that oh no i mean again while there are there are, there are plenty of editors that are you know talented enough to sort of cover all your bases um but there there is a distinct different skill in being able to finally comb a monster like a stat lock versus you know like a a, a paragraph about you know what the monster eats <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and it can be even different when you go uh, for a, a subclass if you compare that with the stat block of a monster, so it's a completely different kind of balancing. And of course, you have these uh, rules that you find in the Dungeon Master's Guide that is very useful for that, but that works very well as a base. Uh, then when you start uh, 
let's take the example of a monster. You, you create a monster, then you, you try this monster with some players. Maybe you have a party that is made, I don't know, with a cleric, a wizard, and a, a fighter, and then it works in a certain way. You, you do that with a different party, and you realize that the challenge of that monster is completely different. And when you see many of them, and you have tried many of them, you start to have your rule, rule, rules of thumb to, to, to decide where, where to put things. So you start thinking, okay, I need something as a ranged, something as a melee attack, then I need this and that. Uh, those are things that there, there are people that are more experienced, they're on the guild, that are really good at it. And they can find these little things even before you try the, the, the monsters with, with the part. Then you adjust small things, but they already can give you some very good advice how to, to deal with that. So really the, the nice thing that I like about a Dungeons Master Guild and one of the reasons for which I've spent two years in doing that and while I'm happy to, to having the, this kind of interviews that there is this idea of being a bit of a community mm -hmm. to start knowing each other. Of course, there are tons of people, so it's impossible that, that everybody knows each, uh, yeah. everybody, uh, but uh, it is nice that you can start knowing some names, uh, trying to understand what people do and get to community, communicate together. It's very easy to reach people that are working on DM skill. Every time that I try to write a, a DM on Twitter or on Facebook or whatever, I, I always find uh, an answer. Uh, you, you can really use uh, any kind of, of source from, from the other people and usually they are happy to, to share, to... Yeah maybe not to collaborate if they do not have time or, or resources to do that, but to give you an advice or tell you what to read about that or whatever. Yeah. And I think, again, to, to be on the receiving end of, of someone asking for like particular advice or asking to sort of join on a collaboration, as, as an author, it's, 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 it's flattering. It's, it, feels, it feels really nice to be like, oh, this, you know, this, this, it, some, like, I, like, it's it's it even even again being in the game for like you know like as as I guess I think we have for like so I'm coming up to two years I think wait no I'm I'm not in in July so so I think you're about you're about I was about to say you're about five months older than me in terms oh, well, of as a writer <laughs> yeah, as, as a writer as a writer um and um and yeah I, I it's 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 what 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 am I trying to say. <laughs> I, I i guess it's it's it, yeah it i basically i'm agreeing with everything that you say and <laughs> it's, it's, it's the nicest way that I, can, I, I can sort of put it um i guess to um to sort of cycle it back to um your creative process as a whole then so so we've spoken about collaborations we've spoken about you know uh getting, getting started and everything um when it comes to sitting in front of your keyboard you've got some writing to do um what's your what's your favorite part of, a, of the project? Oh, well, the, the thing that, that I, I like the most in is when I have this idea of uh, the kind of uh, setting that I want to bring. And then you start thinking about which could be the little element that could give the feeling that I have in my mind. So for instance, could be a description where, where you talk about, no, the, the color of the grass or, or the shape of the trees or, or whatever that could help you in giving the image that you have in your, in your head. And then the second thing is that you have to transpose this to D&D. &D. So I start thinking, okay, let's, let's think about an encounter here. So I'm going to put this monster that I find really suitable for this forest, let's say. Uh, so this monster, I think it's nice for a forest. But then I start thinking, what should make this encounter, not just an encounter in a forest, but an encounter in the forest that I was thinking about? Yeah. So you, I start thinking, no, this is an ancient forest, so I want trees to be big. How big? And what, what should happen if there is a big tree here? Maybe the, the thieves can hide behind the tree. Maybe uh, the monk can climb that tree. Uh, don't know. You start thinking about how the particular environment that you you are imagining in your mind can interact with the different players that are in. Uh, so on the other side, I mean, if I am in a plain desert, 
what should this mean for uh, someone who is attacking from a distance or for someone who is attacking from uh, in, in the in the melee situation or someone who was trying to hide mm-hmm. so there this is the, this idea of trying to fit the mechanics of dnd playing in the kind of environment that i have in my mind in a way that i hope is going to bring to both to the dm and, and to the players uh, the I would say the exact image that I have in my mind, of course, that's impossible, but an image that is as much closer as... as yeah. A- I mean, I, I, so, no, it's, again, what, what's, what I, I kind of love about this is, is I think I come about writing adventures and encounters from, from the other side. So sometimes I think I, I kind of plan out the, the characters and actions and the monsters, you know, the things that you're going to be encountering. So sometimes I start with the, rather than you, where you have the image of the, you know, the ideal location that you have and how that can sort of translate to the mechanics. I start with what the players may be facing, you know, what sort of challenge prompts them, whether it's a social challenge or a combat challenge. And then I'm like, well, what sort of environment would make this interest? Like, what would, like, and, What's great is yeah, obviously like both uh, both sort of techniques are, are 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 you know a good good or there's no right one, um, and yeah I, I, yeah I just I just I just like that because um, I, I I sometimes I think with 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 a your I guess your style um, you end up with very sort of evocative um, locations where everything has a place. And it all again, so everything kind of feeds into um, one another. Whereas I think the downside of what I kind of do is is it provides an interesting, um, I guess, I, what's what's the word? I guess it provides an interesting encounter because it's it's a unique combination of let's say it's you're fighting a um, a bugbear on a cliff. <laughs> well, imagine not the most exciting example I could have thought of. Um, let's. Uh, I, oh, I t- take an example I did recently, which was uh, fighting a frogemoth um, in a sort of thunderstorm. Um, which the the frogemoth is. I was because uh, I started with the. I knew the party had to face frogemoth, um, and I realized that the frogemoth had a, a weakness to lightning. So I was like, how can I get how can I get lightning in here? Um, and I was like, well, I should just make it a, a huge storm. Um, and then obviously with the lightning bolts going around the, the, the battlefield, um, it kind of makes it hopefully a little bit more exciting. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I guess it's, it, I'm just comparing our styles um, and just sort of seeing the differences. Yeah, but I, I, see, I see there a commonality that is the fact that uh, when, of course, you, you start having some idea in your mind, like a plot, like a character, and like whatever. Uh, but then if you want to transpose that to an adventure, and especially an adventure that is not going to be played by by you as a DM, but s- someone else, uh, you you have to convey the the challenge that you want the, the, the players to, yeah. to face. That is the, the core of any session of bnd you know uh, you, you you create a challenge for for your players uh, of course you can have many different type of challenges i mean in my adventures maybe the environmental ch- challenges are, are stronger than the social ones for instance because yeah. i start from the environment yeah. so maybe that, that's the reason why uh, but again the, the idea is when you start writing down you have to explain that dm uh why that the child how that challenge can can happen so for instance the fact that you put lighting i could just write down i put a storm here yeah, yeah. and that could seem just like a background of the thing like the description but then if you can explain that the environment the the the, the npcs that are there the, the number of npcs that you have chosen to be there mm-hmm. uh, depends on the fact that you can create a, a tactic for the, the groups of enemies that the, the, the players are facing, or uh, it's because the environment can, can create a challenge as well. Uh, so for instance, in, in the adventures that, that, that I, the, the adventure that I wrote for uh, Tales of the Old World, uh, it, there is this part in which they are on a glacier. And so it's a difficult terrain for them and it's slippery, but it's, it is not for the enemy. So at that point, the, the challenge uh, changed completely. And this is something that 
of course, it's in my mind, but I have to well explain that for, for the DM who is going to read because he or she is going to understand that the, the, the kind of challenge that is posed to, to uh, her or his characters is completely different than, than the kind of challenge that he would have just by meeting that monster in another environment or with other monsters or uh, with some NPCs helping them. This is another thing that comes out often in the adventures. And I always try to, to spot if the author did, did it, let's say, <laughs> right, I would say balance it, yeah. that the, the characters can make a use of the NPCs that are presented along the adventure. Yeah. Of course, uh, the, the, the DM could just write down, it is impossible that this, NP, this NPC is going to help the party. That's yeah. a possibility, but you know, it's never creating role play. And it's in fairness, any D&D adventuring party, if they encounter something that is meant to be an enemy, but is vaguely cute in any way, they're going to befriend it and it's going to become the new pet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a possibility. And that's nice. Let's create a role play. Even, for instance, the example that you gave, it's one that I really like about because it doesn't just create role playing between the DM and the players, but also among the players, because they, they are going to have a conflict about who is going to care about that, that yeah. small thing. You know, you give them a, a cup of old bear and everybody is going to, 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 to love that. So they're going to play together to you know get some food to the old bear. And then is when you create this gaming between the players. Yeah. And uh, to me as a DM, that is the, the best part of the game, where you can start to, to, to go on the background and, and leave them yeah. playing. That, that means that you have created a good situation for them to play. And you can have fun because at the moment you are not alone in constructing the, the story, but no. the story is on the table. Yeah, I, I, I guess, yeah, no, I think you are right. Yeah, I think it does come back to how the challenge, whatever challenge you have in your mind and how you translate that into the D&D system. Um, and yeah, no, I just don't agree. I, I think I do like the adventures that, um, or like, you know, the moments where there is more, there's more consideration to the enemies in terms of like their motivations or um, just because I think, again, uh, realistically, there's not too many people out there that I think would always willingly fight to the death. <laughs> like, for example, if, if hypothetically speaking, if I were a bandit, and if I was trying to ambush a group of people on the road and they started flinging fireballs out, I'm, I'm out. I run away. I'm yeah. out. I'm just like, listen, all right, I didn't know who we were dealing with. I apologize. I'm sorry. Yeah, so like, take, here's, here's my money. Here is like, you know, here's my sword. I, I'm, I'm going to start, I'm going to, I'm going to go become a baker. This is clearly not the life of me. Um, and yeah, yeah it, that, that will be nice. Then you will have another NPC in your adventure, <laughs> a new baker in the <laughs> is going to be someone who will be scared of your party yeah. so you will be sure that everything that you will ask to that baker is going to tell the truth yeah. so that's a perfect character yeah. that you can use yeah with it so you have like the, the the npc you meet in act one by act three they've, they've settled in a shop and the players have to go to that shop and just be like oh no please again i, I i'm really sorry <laughs> no 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 fantastic um so I guess uh, to uh, capture the other side of the coin then, so we, we've got your kind of favorite part and that is like, you know, bringing the image in your mind to life. Um, what's, do you have like a least favorite part? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, th th there's a part that I don't really like, especially because for me, uh, DM skill is more uh, as a hobby. It is the part of advertising. Yeah. That is a part that I really hate. Because I, I always feel that, you know, when you, you have to write about what you have written. <laughs> so you have to give some kind of judge about what you have done. And of course, you try to, to com convey a message that, that you did the best that you can. But I'm always uh, there thinking like, maybe, maybe that's too much. That's not that good. <laughs> maybe I should, I should put some ad advice about the limits that are there. But then I think, no, okay, I have to write down. Uh, on Twitter and I have a, a limited amount of characters. I cannot yeah. start explaining the whole yeah. project. You can't uh, be like, I, I, I really like this project, but I, I did kind of cut some corners here. <laughs> and it's, yeah, you kind of have to be like, this is the best thing I've done. 
you should buy this thing. Um, and yeah. Yeah, and also when, when you are creating these collaborative projects, you have to start to say, please, people, do a post about that. We, we all need that. I, I know it's not easy. I know you yeah. have not that much time, but we need that uh, because everybody have worked. And, and of course, it, it's correct that all the people that were involved had some uh, kind of award for, for, for the work that they did. So we, we need advertising and you have to push people. And this is something that I really hate because... I have no problem in pushing people or pushing myself in writing mm -hmm. because I know that at the end of the day, I had to push me, but when I end with the work, I can read it again and, you know, you feel proud of yourself for yeah. pushing yourself and doing that. Well, advertising is that kind of thing that you, I push myself to do, but then, of course, <laughs> you, you have the royalties. <laughs> That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, that it, 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 you, you don't necessarily always see the immediate like feedback and stuff like that or you know the, the the result of it um and it's the problem where with writing there is there is a point where you're finished you're done technically there's no end to that advertising like yeah. I, I fall in the habit of once I release a product I do the advertising before I do it for about a week after nothing <laughs> um, oh well, well yeah yes, that's quite common but also because advertising would require some peculiar skills yeah and and i feel that i do not have the skills so i know that i have to do that because otherwise products on the guild could not be as easy to find i, I mean yeah of course in the very first days they are there on the home page but then they, you have so many products that if you do not advertise it is possible that people do not even see your product so it is important to do that if you think that it deserves uh but on on the same time i would like to have sometimes in this collaborative project someone who says i'm an expert in advertising and i will take care of all of that yeah i mean it, it i i think i've I said this before but advertising there's a reason why there are companies like advertising agencies entire groups of people who are skilled in advertising um and Already, as DMs Guild creators, we are wearing many hats. You know, we're writers, sometimes we're layout, sometimes we're artists too. It's, it's you know, cartographers, you've got like editors, it's like you're, you're trying to do everything. Um, and yeah, I, I wouldn't be too surprised if there is some form of advertising thing for the DMs Guild in a year or so. Um, oh, well, let's see or, or maybe someone is going to put some comment to this video yeah. and say i am an expert in advertising yeah. hire yeah. me <laughs> no. um just because i think i have seen some talks about it um and i don't know it's interesting as well seeing that there are a lot of um uh shifts from some of the established dm's guild authors to starting um kickstarters um and the advertising for kickstarters is much more um I guess um, time-consuming because it's it's ongoing. It's you kind of like you have a, a month or so, um, and you kind of need to be doing the daily thing. So I wouldn't be too surprised if the people who do the kickstarters uh, find themselves being better at doing advertising. <laughs> yeah, that could be a possibility indeed. Yeah. That could be a thing to to look uh, to to the CV of someone to understand. Yeah. <laughs> you want to include them in your project yeah. for advertising. Yeah. Also, I mean. Advertising on DMs Guild is also something that is uh, an evolving process. I mean, if I think when I started and when we are now, uh, the, the, the DMs Guild itself uh, produced a different uh, initiative to, 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 to change the thing. I, I'm thinking about yeah, the, the, the weekly newsletter, that is something that really can change <laughs> the destiny of a product. Yeah. Uh, the fact that you can relate a product to uh, um, a, a, an official product that is coming out, out now. I, I mean, for instance, now Icewind Dale is there and in Tales of the Old World, we have several adventures that are based on Scandinavian places or, or the Alps. Of course, they're not all of them, but there are many. So this yeah. is a, a way for having your product better advertised. Also, I've seen this initiative of the pick of the stuff. Yep. The, by drive through and this was one 
thing that happened with Monsters of the Old World, for instance, we, we, we di it didn't exist mm. when we launched Monsters of the Old World, but then it happened and we were very happy about that. Was it? I think it existed for drive through didn't it? And yeah. now they've started implementing it for uh, yeah, DMs Guild as well. And yeah, I think um, Monsters of the Old World was the first or one of the first? Yeah, I, I think I, it was in, among the first two or three products on DMs Guild that had it. And we were completely surprised, you know, because uh, as we started, we, we didn't have so many contacts with, with, the, with the organization of the MS Guild. We, we, we exchanged some emails to be sure that um, everything was uh, okay with the fact that somehow these, these monsters, these artifacts, these characters are coming from some kind of setting. Yeah. So we wanted to be sure that everything that we did was setting neutral mm -hmm. as is required on the Ups Guild. Uh, so we had some exchange, but uh, we didn't ask about being put in the weekly newsletter or mm -hmm. being picked. Uh, it was some, just by, by chance. So th the nice thing is that you don't have to be a, a big name or, or to know someone yeah. to, to, to fall in those things. They're really reading the products. Yeah, and I, I love that. I know it's it, it's it's fantastic. I mean, what is it? the the community managers? So like, uh, is it um, Lisa and uh, I believe Jack? Mm -hmm. um, they are um, they're they're fantastic. And yeah, I think again they 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 uh, they 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 deserve as much praise as we can give them for you know helping the you know the the products of the Deans Guild kind of get the attention that they kind of kind Definitely. of deserve because that. There's there's a lot of products. There's there's a lot. It's it's exploding, um, and it's it's so it's great to see. It's fantastic. Um, no, nah, um, then I guess okay. So to look over your like your two years, then um, what is something that you wish you'd learned earlier? Oh yeah, one thing that I have been struggling a lot uh, during the last two years is the pricing. Yeah. Pricing of products, it's always a thing that uh, I've struggled with. Um, I mean, you, I, I tried to read uh, along the discussions that were going on the different uh, Discord and Facebook groups and whatever. And, and you find people that gives you some kind of rule. So if, if the product has this amount of page, then yeah. you have to do that price. Uh, you have people saying that putting things, pay what you want, is always bad. Uh, you have many kind of uh, dogmas <laughs> that are <laughs> yeah. people. Uh, but along the time, I I'm, I'm a mathematician, so I, I do oh. like working with numbers. <laughs> yeah. And I started to keep uh, statistics of my products. And, and I found out uh, that there are not so strict rules. And it's not just a matter of how long is the product, uh, but as usually is for any selling is the fact that you have to meet the demand mm -hmm. while you're publishing something. So if you're publishing something that does not really meet the demand of that moment, maybe the price should be quite low or, or vice versa. You can increase the price when you have a product that you really think that is matching the demand of the market that yeah. moment. And this is something that maybe people don't 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 say you at the beginning because of course when you ask how much should i price my product the, the, the answer is a general one while i i would always answer now it depends on, on the product mm -hmm. let, let me know what it's about yeah let me know what's inside uh, because it can really depend and sometimes it could be also important to change the price of your product yeah. along the time. That's the thing that I've done with many of my products. I, I, if I go back two years ago and uh, I think uh, my thinking was, okay, if I find the right price, then it's going to be there forever. Uh, and I've changed my mind on that. Yeah. Yeah, and I, also I, I went back also, to improve my product according to the price that they had. So yeah. I was thinking for having this price, maybe I should put there something more. And then I did that. Yeah, no, no, I understand. It is, it's, it, the pricing is, is, is difficult. Um, and it's, it's the sort of case of like, yeah, you can try and compare your product to other products. Um, but it, it's never quite that sort of like one-to-one, -one, um, and, and yeah, I, I, I think, I think sometimes, um, I, I think sometimes I felt like, 
I guess one thing I've learned in particular and stuff like that is, is the launch is quite important. Yeah. Um, and I know in the past that sometimes I think I have been sort of burned by potentially having a higher price than, than, than what it potentially should have been. Um, and, and that's, that's always a tough one is because it's a lot of people within the, um, you know, the DMs Guild and stuff like that. We are, we are pushing towards, you know, like trying to get people not to undervalue their work. Um, yeah, that's that's important. It, that's it the is. other side of the fact, yeah. And it and it's hard to balance. It's like you can't. It sometimes I, I think sometimes with the sheer amount of products on the DMs Guild, it is hard to get that balance of appropriately selling a product. You know, as much to that you know you feel you've you know you've been not again. You don't want to tie your success to the number of sales a products get. Um, but there is a thing of like, okay, I would like you know I, I would like the things I make to sell. But then also, I don't want to undersell myself by, you know, because like if I set something like, you know, a 300 page document for two pounds, that will sell probably a good number of copies and stuff like that. Um, is, it, is, is, is that an appropriate value for you know, the amount of work I put in? Probably, probably not. But how do you how do you balance the two? Um, yeah, because it's, it's also a matter of uh, being respectful of the work done by others. I mean, of course, you, you can even... Mm, give your work as a gift if you want but <laughs> you have to know that there there are people there that maybe put a lot of effort and cannot afford to, to give it for free yeah. because yeah. that's their main job and so you are creating a, some kind of unfair um, competition yeah. when you you do that so it's really a difficult balance and and the beginning especially if you don't know the other people around yeah. you you are not aware of that and I think that that's something that I would have known at, at that time. I think, again, thank you for bringing it around. <laughs> no, no, yeah. And yeah, I think especially, especially when it comes to um, collaborative pieces of work as well, because you not only have the concern of like, am I appropriately pricing myself for me? It's like, oh, the, you know, four or five other people in this project, I want to make sure that, you know, they, they get a fair amount for, for their contribution. And obviously they're putting in their time for a, percentage royalty rather than you know uh yeah it's it's, it's a tough one yeah i, I i'm 100 I'm, I'm with you on that one um wow yeah. um so i guess looking to you know the community well again talking about the community and stuff as a whole then um is there anyone in the dms guild community in particular that that kind of inspires you Oh, well, the, the, the first thing, is, of course, the, the person that I collaborate the most is my partner. His name is Simone Rossi Tisbeni. You can find him on the Guild as well. And also, I have to say that collaborating has been really important for me in, along the time spent on the Guild, uh, both in the Old World series, but I took part to other projects like Infamous Adversaries and the, the fact is that uh, I, I don't see uh, some authors that are always better than the other, but I see that when you look to what a, an author different than you writes uh, gives a different twist, and then you can learn. Uh, so what, what I, I really learned uh, doing Masters of the Old World and then Artifact and then all the Old World series is that all the authors can bring something, especially in terms of this twist of inventive. And I, I found this particularly interesting in authors that maybe are not so represented on the skills, maybe because they're not native English uh, speakers. And so they do have small products or a, a, a low number of products, but they can bring so much fantasy in, in, into, into the project. Uh, that you really want them on. Maybe their English is not perfect. Okay, then you have an editor. Yeah. And that's what the editor is needed for. Uh, and I, I'm thinking this especially, um, th in my mind, I have those people that are coming from Nordic countries in Europe and Eastern countries in Europe. You can find some of their uh, entries in the Old War series. Uh, and 
I'm not going to mention all of them because there are many. I don't want to, yeah. to miss someone. And also I would have strong problem in pronouncing their names. <laughs> but I really invite you to, to go to even just, the, I don't ask you to, to buy the books, but even just go to the page of, the, of Monsters of the Old World or yeah. Artifact or Heroes and, and read the, the list of authors. They are all there and you will see their names. Uh, many of them have, things that are not really so common in D&D because they know a folklore and a lore that is not so represented in, in the mainstream fantasy world. So they really can bring something that is, is not usually there. And I, I, yeah, you kind of bring up like a, a fascinating point, which is like, you can be like, again, you could be perfectly fluent in English, but if the, you know, if the spark of like that, you know, the heart of your idea isn't good, it, it doesn't really mean much. Um, and yeah, it's great when, you know, yeah, all these sort of talented people from, yeah, all over, all over, all, all over the world, not just Europe, uh, kind of, you know, throw their hat into the ring to sort of start publishing on, on, the, on the DMs Guild. Um, yeah, I mean, in, uh, in this moment, the, the, the authors that I know the best are just coming from Europe and some of the American authors. But uh, a dream of mine do, doing the Old World series uh, will be that of inspiring people coming from other continents to, to do something similar. I, I would love to see something similar coming from, uh, I don't know, the Northern Africa or the Central Africa or South America, or, or even I would love to see something about uh, the, the, the legends and myths that are uh, embedded in Native Americans done by someone who is really an expert on that or in the Far East Asia. Because I mean, of course we have these things, but we know that the risk of cultural appropriation is yeah. always there. So I would really love to, see that these products that we have done starting from Europe that is maybe more well known I, uh, I would love to see that do, done in, in different continents I was, I was going to say one thing I, I definitely want to commend you on is is particularly for the old world series is, is setting up that thing that that the cultures that you are trying to represent you get people from those cultures to write their stories and stuff like that so it's you know um, the the people are coming with folklore of their own you know of their own nationality and and that way again it's more organic there there isn't necessarily the the concerns of, of uh, as you mentioned <laughs> cultural appropriation because it is it's their own culture um and i think yeah that, that's a very sort of that was a very good way to handle things nice well um again looking at the time we are kind of coming towards <laughs> like the the end of our hour it is it, again it always flies by um but one thing i kind of wanted to ask in particular then is is um kind of what are you working on at the moment? Like you've mentioned a few, obviously Tales of the Old World, just right around the corner. Um, anything else in the works? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm working on a, another adventure of mine and that, that is all set along a river. So the, the, the environment this time is, is a river and the idea is a travel from, from the beginning of the river till the, the sea. And uh, this is set in a forgotten realm. So also it mentions some of the locations that you can find uh, along the Dalingbir River. And uh, th this is the, the main thing that I'm doing now together with Tales, that it's taking a, a lot of time. But also one thing that I'm working on is a restyling of my old adventures. And the idea is that of having more consistency with all of them to create a bundle of all these adventures that are set in uh, in a in a natural environment so kind of uh, adventuring in the savage uh, yeah I, I, that's always again i think i've spoken about this for like once or twice like it always is is interesting when you look at your older products and again resisting the urge to go back and revisit them with like new knowledge but it does seem like yeah in your case it kind of makes sense because you have this you have this environmental theme throughout all your products that it kind of makes sense to kind of give them a you know similar theming and and kind of bundle bundle them all together um yeah let's try <laughs> exciting um well all right then um, and then i guess my, my next question is okay well people who kind of want it you know when 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 this river river adventure comes out um where's where's kind of the best place for them to you know follow you hear about it stay up to date with all the news oh well yeah the the, the main thing maybe could be to follow me on twitter and the the handle is adventurer 881 and there i i publish also updates of my old adventures and the, the new adventures that are 
coming and also share things that are done by other authors on the guild. So that could be a source of information. And also you can look on, uh, on Facebook. And for instance, if you're interested in collaborating uh, with a future project, there is a Facebook group that is called the European uh, DM Skill Creator. And there's a group of people that is larger than those that work to the old world series. That's just intended to be a place for, for fine collaboration. So everybody's welcome. With your permission, I will include the link to the European uh, DMs Guild uh, in the description somewhere. So people listening can, can join on in. Um, yeah, I think, was it following the, uh, the demise of the old um, uh, DMs Guild uh, Facebook group? <laughs> May it rest in peace. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it's nice that these, these other sort of uh, communities kind of, kind of stem from that. Um, yeah, well, well, fantastic. Um, Andrea, again, thank you so much for taking the, the time out your day to come and, and chat with me. Um, thank you. This, this has been an absolute blast. Um, yeah, I guess I, I should, I should say that I've been Matthew Whitby. Um, you can find me at Whitby Writes. Um, my final question then, um, to, to kind of kick things off then is how do we end a podcast? Oh, we should ask people to imagine some kind of nice jingle and then, Ah! Uh.